then it came to the point where he wanted to rest. He had put forth a lot of effort already. His samadhi was already full and complete. He just needed a little bit more wisdom. And what happened was he let go of his wish to succeed. That was the only thing left he had to let go of. And we see that he didn't attain enlightenment while standing, while sitting, or walking. And he wasn't even to the point of lying down. He was about to lie down. So this quality of being too tense, we have to be careful about that. If we try to get something, make effort to get something, and we don't get it, then we just suffer all over again. So we have to be careful with our minds in terms of wishing and desiring. We have to make the mind just right. And so for monastics, we contemplate in our lives the way of practice that's not wrong. Lumpu Cha would teach in this way the practice that's not wrong, which is the same as the practice that's correct, which is to eat enough to know one's measure in eating, not too much, not too little. When one's almost full, then to drink water to feel like it's enough. If we eat too much, then we, we don't feel at ease, we feel sick. And if we eat too little, then we don't have enough strength and energy to practice. So we contemplate in this way before we eat. We contemplate our food, contemplate our robes, just like we chanted tonight, the Atita Pachawe Kana Pata. We contemplate to understand this, to see the nature of this body, that these robes are food, lodging and medicines, they're not inherently unclean. They start out clean. But when they contact with this body, they become unclean. So we are deluded in thinking that the body is something clean. But we look at food, for instance, food that's very expensive. As soon as it enters our mouth, it loses all its value. When it's outside of the mouth, it has a high value. But when it enters the mouth, then the value is completely gone. Or like expensive clothing or cloth, when we put it on, we wear it for seven or ten days, and we can't stand it anymore. Or if one's a layperson, then after a single day, one changes one's clothing already. So these are some examples. So we contemplate like this to see the body as something unclean because normally we see it as something beautiful. When we see it as beautiful, then this gives rise to attraction and liking. So we contemplate the not beautiful, the asuba aspects of the body, to bring the mind to see the truth of the body, to bring the mind to clear understanding. So we train the mind that whether it contacts a sound or a smell or a taste or a touch, body object or mind object, to train the mind not to fall into liking or disliking, but to be in the middle, to be equanimous with upeka, to eat little, sleep little, awake with effort, 
to practice restraint of the senses. When we practice like this, then if disliking arises, we practice loving-kindness. Practice loving-kindness for all beings. Because we see that all people, all minds, all want happiness, no one wants suffering. So therefore we have loving-kindness together for one another. We see that these meditation objects of loving-kindness compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity, they care well for the heart. They're very important meditation objects that we can't skip out on. So we contemplate life as something uncertain. Condition formations arise and they degrade. And we don't know when they'll pass away and fall apart. We don't know when sickness or death will come. So we contemplate uncertainty like this. And we see that we can't be heedless. If we're heedless, then it's like we're dead already. It's like we're dead while we're still breathing. Therefore, we practice to not be heedless, but to practice and train our minds. To think to and recollect the Buddha. To practice to give rise to clear knowing to give rise to the awakened one in our own hearts, Bhutto in our hearts. So we practice and pay homage to the Buddha. We persevere, have effort in this, to have virtue, restraint of body and speech, to be restrained in the Vinaya and monastic principles and practices. And we see that these principles and practices, they're all for the sake of peace of mind for samadhi to arise. We have restraint on the outer level and restraint on the inner level. We set our hearts on the practice. In the beginning, samadhi may only arise a little bit. Akanika samadhi, momentary samadhi. The mind feels full and happy. For instance, we do an act of goodness, an act of merit, we recollect that good act, we feel happy and full in our hearts. So recollecting merit is something important, something that we should do often. So we do an act of goodness, an act of merit, and then we go to recollect and think about other things that our merit uh, is very little or our merit is less. But we do some act of goodness, and we recollect that goodness and in this way, merit is arising all the time. <clears throat> this gives rise to happiness in the heart, happiness from training the mind, from bhavana. And in this way, we're making merit all the time uh, through our practice of recollection. Because if we do merit only occasionally or sometimes, but we recollect it frequently or all the time, then we make a lot of merit. We receive a great amount of merit. This is merit of bringing the mind to peace through chaga nusati, recollecting, uh, giving and relinquishing. We recollect the Buddha, Buddha nusati, recollect the Dhamma, Dhamma nusati, Recollect the Sangha, Sangha Nusati. Also recollect death. 
So we have mindfulness, cultivate mindfulness, this quality of recollection, and our main meditation object, recollecting the in and out breath. This is the way to bring the mind to peace and samadhi. We may have read the text and we see that these practices of recollection only bring the mind to upajara samadhi, or neighborhood concentration. We think that or we see that they don't bring us to jhana, but jhana is what we want, something we want to get, we want to become, we want samadhi, we want jhana. This is something we have to let go of first. Venerable Ajahn Chah said that we practice, we do with the attitude of letting go. Because if we practice with the attitude of wanting to get, wanting to become, this just makes our mind agitated and chaotic. The more we want, the more agitated the mind becomes, the more the mind is filled with doubt. Like in my own practice, this, this was how it was. My mind was agitated and chaotic every day because it lacked samadhi and lacked peace. This wanting became an obstacle and gave rise to doubt as well. But when I saw the doubts arise and cease, I saw it was Oh, it's just that, just that much, huh? Just the kilesas, the doubt, just arises and ceases, and that's it. There's nothing there. So the mind wants some kind of miracle or amazing occurrence or insight, but that's not correct understanding. Doubts arise, and one sees the doubts arise and cease. The mind's not troubled anymore, then it's all done and over with. That's the end of it. We see something beautiful, and the mind becomes agitated right there. So we have to contemplate the body as not beautiful, as a pile of bones, something unattractive, it passes away and degrades. It's not self, not a me, mine. This gives rise to rapture in the mind. So we practice to do this often, to see this often, to see the body as a pile of earth element that degrades, a pile of water that degrades, a heap of air that degrades, a heap of fire that degrades. And doing this, then we begin to see the quality of not-self. There's not anything lasting there. So we practice like this. Restraint of the senses, moderation in eating, moderation in sleeping, waking with effort and energy. These are the ways of practice that are correct. We have restraint on the outer level, restraint of body and speech, and restraint on the inner level of the mind, having mindfulness with the mind. So we have to be careful with this this quality of craving that arises, wanting to become, not wanting to become. We have to know these as they arise in the mind, see them arise and cease. Then in no long time we can give rise to true understanding. Because when samadhi arises, then we don't doubt anymore. We know the correct way, that this is the path, the true path to the end of suffering the path that gradually pulls the mind to know and see the Dhamma. So may you all set your hearts on this.